we got my name you? is Trammell Horton. I um was in the midst of a jazz performance major in the middle of college and you know, ended up switching over to philosophy. Kind of didn't go where nowhere my career path was heading towards, but I figured that it would um sync up to sales in some regard just off the cuff. Um ended up running into Quentin Hello. Uh, at this jazz, at this jam, with my friend JT, you know, we got to know each other a little bit. Where were you going to school? He was, I was going to school at SIUE, Southern Which Illinois is. University of Edwardsville, right. in yeah. Illinois. And um, me and Quentin hit it off, kind of hung out for a bit, you know, tutoring first through eighth grade English and um, teaching guitar. And I couldn't speak English well, so sampling. I needed all the help I could get. Yeah. <laughs> Sampling beer at the grocery store, and Quentin kept trying to offer me a job, you know. And I was skeptical because, you know, when someone wants to bring you in as a door knocker, obviously that's something that's hard on the ego and the personhood in general. But eventually, you know, he wore me down, ended up taking the gig, kind of messed around with it for a little bit. Um, the pay schedule at Cardinal Catastrophe Services indicates that there's kind of a back pay with some of the jobs that you get leads on. So didn't see a lot of the money at first, which is why I was, um, I maintained my skepticism and just light disregard for the job, but then realized um, when those jobs had closed up that about the 10 hours of work that I had put in had yielded $1,500. So that was a lot more than I was making at the time. Decided to kind of kick around the idea of door knocking in order to become a project manager, but you know, paying my dues and whatnot. Ended up that graduated college with a philosophy degree and decided that I was going to move to Nashville here to become a project manager. It's been a couple of years since then. Tremble, when um, did you start? Was this in 17 or 18? I he think started I in 2018. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I think you, I think you moved down to Murfreesboro area though. Uh, it was late 2019. Because 2019 yeah, was the when I first took started. over the office uh, in Murfreesboro. It uh, was right at the very beginning of 2019. And that whole first year was basically uh, me and a truck and I think Tyler bounced back and forth for a couple jobs. And then uh, Trammell, um, you ended up coming in uh, towards the end of the year, I think. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was just me and you for a bit. Yeah. So it was 2019. That was pretty much just what I needed. Quentin knows his stuff. Everybody who's going to listen to this podcast, get a chance to hang out with him. I'd highly recommend it. Um, ended up running a few jobs yeah. now. Um, no autographs, please. Came down, saw my merit as an individual, and decided to graciously offer me the position of branch manager around here. So it's been about... I think it's been about eight months or so, maybe less than that, um, that I've been kicking the old bucket around Nashville here. Official. And things are good. We've been, uh, how much in sales have we gotten this year, guys, down in Nashville? Does anyone know? I know we're, we probably broke the record last year. Yeah, we've definitely. Yeah, I don't know the specifics. We're trending towards, but I would definitely be trending towards three million. We're trending towards about three million. I think we've got five hundred in AR today. 
And the year's not over yet, folks. We still got things happening. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think it's important to note that uh, Trammell was the one that facilitated the first commercial deal. If you want to touch on that when you get a chance. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, we rent the building from just then. Um, they're local realtors. Pretty good name. They have good rapport with a lot of the – or Mr. Sims has good rapport with a lot of the older guys around town, um, which is reminiscent of the trade, you know, wearing trade work. These, this was the days when these guys actually traded um, occupations. It wasn't about charging your brother. It was about what can I do for you, what can you do for me. And um, so Larry Sims kind of in that. We um, talked to Beal and done a few of his roofs. And, and then we're doing the building right now. How, how many total roofs? We've got that one commercial roof. How many other roofs have you done for, for Sims? Um, I think it's about four. And then there's a fifth one on the way. The next storm date, it's about 75 squares, and it's right by the golf course over here in Murfreesboro. So just for anyone who's listening, building a relationship with a realtor, you know, is a, a good step, and it's very important. I recently built a relationship with an alternate realtor who we just did his roof yesterday, you know, Chris Rimco. Um, he, unexpectedly, you know, you don't know when you're talking to these guys. He seemed like just a real chill guy. Not made of money, but it seems like people who are made of money the most often uh, don't don't speak to that because they're humble and they're on their path. And even talking about it would be like a deviant factor of that. So he has 20 rental properties. Um, I'm meeting with him in a couple of days, and hopefully, gonna we replace the chimney. And I did that at a cost out of my pocket, kind of on the job. So he's gonna hook me up with an inspection on a decent amount of those buildings, and we can see what we can claim from the insurance so very nice Good work. Trammell, what would you say what would you say to a new person coming in like a new uh, AST door knocker um, what's your best piece of advice you could give somebody new coming into the business I would say in any investment is ROI obviously it's a pretty cliche term return on investment but you know for my like I preached to you earlier, my initial skepticism about the position of the ASC is that I didn't see the payoff until it was there. You know, until it hit my bank, I wasn't really with the program. And um, I think just just talk to a few people in the company, see where their head's at with stuff and where they started and where they're at. And really, the only – think about it, guys. The only way to actually connect with people in sales is a face-to-face encounter. You can do online ads all day. You can try to sell somebody through the newspaper, but really that's just media marketing and sales. I would say are a completely different thing, even though they're often grouped together at universities and just general talks. But until you get in someone's face and, you know, see if you have something to offer them, which we do, then I don't think you're going to realize that you're going to build a skill set that most people in the world don't have, which is approaching you know, people for sales, and that's going to translate in your personal life when you when you approach people to become their friend, and you approach maybe a woman who you fancy that you really like. It's going to be easier. You're, the fear is going to go away, and I think that's the fear is something that hinders people on a regular basis throughout their lives, which also subsequently hinders their happiness. And I think that everyone can feel that when I say it. You know. Words of wisdom. Yeah. 
Hey, Trammell, we, we've gotten to spend some time together uh, in the field, uh, spending a lot of windshield time and uh, uh, certainly interacting uh, with yes. customers socially. Uh, you've seen my skill sets and how I approach things, and there's there's obviously a, a couple of years of how much and you you talked a little about this about the skill set of sales uh, do you feel like there's a an old school uh methodology versus versus uh a sales methodology that's more current right now or do you think they're 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 really similar to one another but like the essence of sales now i don't i don't think it's actually functioning I lost you there. Oh no. Hello? Yeah. No, no, we lost you there for a minute. You got me? You can edit this. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I just don't think I think that sales and modernity right now isn't functioning like everyone thinks it's functioning. Because there's a lot of the social what, what was media, the word modernity? Modernity. The essence like the essence of what modernity. The current times. Okay. Nice. Yeah, modern sales aren't as effective as sales from the previous day. And it's not only that I think <laughs> numbers and like payoffs are being cited improperly and I think that there's a lot of people saying, Here's how much I made this year but it's really just trying to impress your brother or like, you know, someone who's around you that there's so much societal pressure right now to perform and I think that that's um, misconstruing the numbers, but the sales of the past, it's, it hasn't changed, you know, getting some nice eye contact in with somebody and actually talking to them face to face is going to build a lot more rapport, which is like, especially in this business, rapport is the game because when you start knocking doors, obviously you can do that all day, but um, when you start getting rapport with a client and they can give you referrals, then you see that the need for knocking diminishes a little bit and it makes it easier on you. So I think the face-to-face is still, you know, and Chavez goes into the commercial buildings and he's like, I'm the dog, I'm the woofer, you know. The he, pit bull. He, he knows, the pit bull. <laughs> he knows he's there for a reason and it's it's unyielding. And I think that that really shows somebody that you have the confidence, you, you understand that you're imposing upon their day on some level. And I think Chavez, you know, makes that like more – He's more affable in the fact that he embraces that, you know. Do you think though? Do you think that's? Do you think the? What? What are you? You're not Gen X. You're you're not millennial. What are you? I'm um. You're you I'm, are. Millennial. I think I'm Gen X. Millennial. I think he's no, an Whatever you know. are. That so you're, 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 you're you old folks. Family Gen Z. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Does, uh, what what advice what what advice would you give to your era or generation whatever whatever it is uh, as it relates to sales? Well, to to be completely transparent, guys, um, I did the math today. We are gonna hopefully put a new door knocker on retainer for five hundred bucks a week. That's not gonna be the pay plan for other guys. This guy he hits it hard, you know. But um, 
that was what he wanted. Um, normally you'd make a lot more, but that's what he wanted. If you could become a project manager, a lot of those leads, we're going to have four leads a week at the NASCAD office just off of one person. Um, you know, multiply that by 52 because there's 52 weeks in a year. That's like 208 leads a year. Now, 208 leads, let's say 50% of those become jobs. That's going to be 104 jobs a year. We got about, we're going to have three project managers over at NASCAD office at this point in time. You know, that's 33 jobs a year. If you're scaling your pay grade up, then multiply those by two as well. You know, you're going to, we're going to make like at least $60,000 a year per project manager, if not more. And that's going to continue to grow when our rapport with clients builds and we scale that up and then eventually move into the anticipated commercial scene. Well, those numbers travel so are there's, based there's, only off of uh, if we had one person door knocking, but if you're bringing in leads organically and, you know. Uh, yeah, I know. Then on top of that, getting referrals and stuff. We get calling. By all means, you should be making way more than that. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, even that volume alone for we need some new hires, we're going to be, we're really going to be scaling up, and it does seem apparent. And there's a lot of pressure. And I think getting your foot in the door, while we're not a small company by any means, we're still kind of a startup as far as like getting, like looking at some name brands, you know, we're still kind of a startup. But if you're getting your, your foot in the door early, you know, you could be higher up the rungs than someone who would, you know, come in in the future. And I think it's just a good time. If I were a young cat and young Nash cat didn't know where I was going to go in life, and needed a career path, I think this would be a perfect opportunity for me. But here I am, so. That's good. That transitions into my next question is, you know, what would you say is the most attractive part of working for the company, of, you know, your job and the freedom and some of the things we have within our culture? Well, I would say as far as the AST goes, that's where you're starting out. Rather, project management, obviously, you can set your own schedule. But ASC, you know, you kind of want to get mentored by someone above you and um, have them being on your side on a regular basis. So you can't set your own schedule completely because, you know, you're going to get a call like, hey, man, let's go out door knocking. I'm going to help you out. But at that same time, you're going you're gonna to want to go out with that person because it's really going to benefit you in the long run. But, yeah, setting your own schedule. As far as the Nashville Catastrophe Services culture goes, I mean, we're all pretty lax. I think we all understand that, you know, everyone has personal stuff going on. And as long as you don't get that become a liability towards the company, then you're fine, you know. But we all play music, so if you're into that, we'll just play guitar into the morning or something and talk business. I don't know. So going back to the... Go back to the Sims uh, relationship that you have. Hey, I'm going to have to hop uh, off here. I'm having some vehicle trouble. I'm going to pull over. I'll call you all later. Okay. All right. uh, as far as uh, that kickoff of that relationship with Sims, uh, what, was the, what was the first thing you said to them? Um, I lost the keys to the office. And I was like, hey, guys, can I borrow your keys? And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? So we got talking for the day. How's your day going? All that jazz. Like, oh, I love this breakfast place in town. Let's talk about that. Something completely random, you know? Like, I don't know if they enjoy that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, just asking for a roof inspection. I said, How, how's your roof look right now? Because I know that I've been around. It's rain. We've got a couple storms while I've been hanging out in the office at least. 
why don't we go look at it? It's that simple. And, you know, the claim after supplement is currently sitting at $120,000 and could be more in the future here. Um, really depends on what supply chain issues are, percentages increase um, by the time you can actually get those materials. And that's something that the insurance company would probably have to compensate for. But, yeah, just it's, simple. it's a simple question. If you know somebody and they own a business and you ask them if they need a roof inspection, there's going to be a kickback from our company, you know, if you're working for us. And it's that simple. If, you're, if your pop owns a couple businesses, you know, say, for example, you're a young guy, you're a junior year of college, your dad owns a couple Italian restaurants, um, you know, he wants to get your own job. But really, how's his roof looking? I mean, that's something that, you know, a familiar member might not consider. That could also be very lucrative to you as well as them. So you'd, you know, in turn be helping out someone that you know, possibly love, and at the same time, bolstering your career path. Nice. Very cool. What what do you feel is our biggest obstacle, specifically in Nashville, uh, for next year? Collections. Always collections. Uh, that's a good answer, dude. <laughs> how, how do we get better at that? Hmm. I don't know. It It honestly might lend itself to, in the future, when our numbers even grow more, when we're putting out depreciation requests and we have, you know, just very small trades that need to be wrapped up on a job that we don't really want to subcontract for because it just takes time to call between numbers, that we might need somebody rather that's like than a QA guy because obviously when you're hiring somebody, you're, you just have a need that needs to be fulfilled. I think in the future there's going to be a position that's going to require like small trades. For example, I have screens that need to go into a client's house because that was something that they were super – pronounced about and a piece of flashing that needs to be repaired you know that's like an hour and a half but you know when i'm busy that's something i would need and pick up that last check i think that position would be something that would be appropriate for a younger guy and someone who doesn't necessarily have their stuff together or their sales knowledge but there's still you know there's still pay other than the sales but i think that relying on the pay for example like tarps and stuff you shouldn't rely on that you shouldn't you should be more restitute in the sales portion itself because you're going to make more money that way. But I, I often, I've seen people relying on, and I, I made a mistake myself, relying on the, the other trades and to make my cash for the week. But yeah, that's obviously, not a good plan. You know, you got I can to lend an answer to that. Future. What's up? I can lend an answer to that too because our big giant years where we've done, you know, millions in sales, we'll have one or two just finished carpenter type uh, subcontractors that kind of can do everything. Yeah. So it's like a punch list guy that gets sent out to do, you know, a screen here, you know, downspout there and maybe some light painting or something. And then Phil, I think to also to answer your question um, with, or to, to cap on what we're talking about with collections, the way that we're really doing all of our jobs right now, where we're requesting the depreciation early, trying to get all of our financials all worked out, and get the money working at the same time as we're doing the construction so we don't order the roof until we know the depreciation checks in hand a lot of times. That solves a lot of our collections issues. And then also, it might sound kind of corny, but 
keeps keeps sales coming in. So as long as we're constantly selling, your collections will always be an issue, but it's just kind of a necessary evil. You know, I don't like to see us sitting at, you know, a half million or 900,000 in collections, but we know that that's all coming in. And that means we've got, we've got a lot of jobs in the, in the pipeline, you know? Right. Yeah. I yeah. think closing is very important right now for what we got before we start the next year. We need to close everything up that's been dragging. And I think we're, we're going to be in a really good place. I mean, yeah. next year is going to be, I think everyone can kind of feel it. It's going to be extremely lucrative. Why, why do you say that? Because I, I feel that way too. I, I, and I, I know everyone does. I know Aaron does. I think at least the economy seems to be on a temporary uptrend again. I think everyone's kind of scared out of their pants about what's going to happen. So everyone's kind of working a little harder or deciding whether or not they're going to at least not work and just kind of try to live off unemployment or do the damn thing. But I think when people are feeling positive about their job, then I, I think it's kind of a moral issue right now. Like, do you, who are you working for at this point? Because I know a lot of people are in societal unrest. We're, we're working for the homeowner rather than the insurance company like the insurance adjusters are, and people sense that, and there's definitely, that's in the air, that people are going to trust mom-and-pop businesses a lot more, and I think that help. on the horizon, and that, yeah. it's, you know, if we can just cite that that's the case, I think that really, that's going to double our numbers. So, if we find the right market, you know, and I think we have, but. So you feel like, like the, the, the overall feel of consumers right now, uh, specifically homeowners, are moving or have distrust towards uh, large corporations and are now looking uh, to privately held uh, local small mom and pop type shops because they have they trust them more. Yeah, and not even that. It's just like the mom and pop thing expressly, but I think with the nature of door knocking or door to door sales and our, how we talk to people that are referrals or when we're installing a roof and we talk to the neighbors that when you make face to face contact and someone can actually gauge whether or not they trust you, that isn't like skewed by multiple Yelp reviews or something like that, then they're going to be able to make a lot easier decision. And as long, you know, as long as you're, you're living your life the way you want to, and you feel like you're living morally on some level, I think that sales are a lot easier because people can sense if you trust yourself, other people are going to trust you. If you don't trust yourself in your decisions, you're not going to sell for shit. That's awesome. Very insightful, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's hitting the nail right in the head. But that's kind of my opinion. I, I do. That's kind of what I think. I don't know. Kind of right, very good. Right on. Yeah, I think you're right on. Thank you for listening to this Cardinal Cast. That will be it for today. You can turn the notifications on so you'll get notification from Spotify when the next one's posted. Thank you.